the believer. And so we want to address that today. We see in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8 is our text. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Follow along with me. I'll read these verses here. He says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Now notice here the reason, the cause for why people departing from the faith. He says, some shall depart from the faith. He says, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. By listening to or giving heed to, or should we say in light of our our outline here, opening their mind to false doctrine, doctrines of devils. Verse number two, speaking lies in hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received, with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things... Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in all in the words of faith and in good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Verse number seven, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So we're going to dig into this idea here. We're going to look, uh, hopefully you have your notebooks or your outlines to follow along with, uh, but we're seeing here, first of all, a closed mind guards against heretical deception. Heretical deception, it guards against that, the idea of heresy uh, that is out there. Um, the warfare of Satan. We see the warfare of Satan. Does anybody need a, uh, uh, I think we have a couple of books back there still, if anybody would like this morning's Sunday school lesson. Uh, anybody that not have one that would like to get one? All righty. Um, so we want to see here, a closed mind guards against heretical deception. The idea, um, <coughs> excuse me, the idea of that heresy is out there, which we addressed here in verse number one, First Timothy chapter four and verse number one. He says, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. How or why? Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. You know, Satan is on the warpath. And Satan is an enemy that is out there and he is gonna to continue to fight against the believer Uh, from the time of the fall of man until he is cast into outer darkness, until all his power is removed and he's bound and cast into utter darkness, he's going to continue to fight against the believer. We've got to be sober and vigilant. He's an adversary and he walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We can't be ignorant of his devices. We need to realize that. And he is on the warpath. Um, Somebody, most of you stay there in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1. Would somebody turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 13? 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 13. Would somebody be willing to read that? 
Ms. Sheila, would you be willing to read that? All right, in those first few words there, now Ms. Sheila is very soft-spoken, is, but evil men and seducers, right? Is that what it says? Evil men and seducers? So that is very familiar or, or similar to our verse here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. How is it that men depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits? Well, what she just read in 2 Timothy 3, 4, 13 is that evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. You believe that that's true? We believe that in, in our present day that it seems as though uh, things are just getting worse and worse? that there is ever more prevalent uh, problems and struggles and battles that we face and that the Satan is uh, just continuing to be on the warpath. I was listening to a message this week uh, by Ron Ralph, uh, and uh, a, a great uh, preacher. I've tried several years to get him to come and be with us. Uh, I think I've got him scheduled sometime down in the future. But anyways, he uh, was preaching. He said something that I'd never heard before. But it really made sense. It really, like, connected in my mind. I said, you know, he didn't have chapter and verse on it, so it's not like this is Bible doctrine. But he said, you know, it seems to me like in the Old Testament, Satan went after the soul of man. That was his goal, to to take the soul of man. But, of course, you know that God provided a sacrificial system and ultimately as a picture of what was going to be the ultimate sacrifice for all the sins of mankind. And Satan realized that he couldn't have the soul of man. He wasn't going to win that battle, that Jesus Christ was going to win that battle. And so we, we get to the New Testament, and he said in the New Testament, it seems as though Satan went after the body. The church was under great persecution. The, the church was persecuted. But the problem is, is it seemed to Satan as though the more he persecuted the church, the more the church grew and flourished. And we see that throughout the New Testament where the persecution of the church caused the church to be scattered. But then that scattered church just began to grow and expand and expand. And he said, but now in today's world, it seems as though Satan is going after the spirit of man. And, you know, isn't it amazing that in modern day, the, the, the prevalence of emotional problems, the, the extreme prevalence of, of these battles that people face in their, in their minds and the, the emotions, the spirit of a man, I don't know, maybe I just was too young to know about it, but it just didn't seem like it was near as prevalent when I was a child as it is today where Satan just seems to be uh, attacking the mind of men so uh, ferociously uh, and winning some major battles in this area. And we, as God's people, need to look to him and be careful that we have a closed mind, that we guard our mind against this heretical deception because Satan is on the warpath. The weapons of Satan. We know Satan has many weapons. And uh, there's some weapons given here. Uh, the first one is accusations. We know that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 10. You can write that next to your, he's an accuser of the brethren. What do you, what do you have in your, in your notes there? Let me see what's the, what are you looking at? You got, um, that's it. Lots of text there, but 
All righty. Well, let me give you some stuff to write down there. So, uh, accused, he's accuser of the brethren. You know that revelation. I gave you that reference, Revelation 12.10. We know he also opposes us. Every chance that he gets. Uh, 1 Peter 5.8. That's a familiar verse, but 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil. That verse we quoted already. So, write that down. He is uh, the accuser of the brethren. He also opposes us. I'm wondering from you guys, could I get some feedback? What's some ways that Satan opposes us? What is some of the methodology or, or what does he do that opposes a Christian? How does he oppose our, our faith or following God or doing right? Any, any input? Ms. Nola? Doubt. Wow, that's a good one. He, he causes us to doubt to doubt the love of God, to, to doubt our ability to do what God wants us to do, to, to so many areas uh, where doubt can keep us uh, from doing what God wants. Is the one way that Satan can oppose you. Fear. Man, we saw that in such a great and prevalent way in 2020 where, where fear seemed to be just dictating people's lives. And just trying to remind everybody that God has not given us the spirit of fear. We want to be wise. We want to be careful. But yeah, Satan will oppose us by giving up fear, uh, causing us to fear everything. Yes. Yeah, it's very good. I, I would sum that up with the word distraction. Bringing in a lot of other things to distract you from, from being able to do. Uh, Brother Garland? Sickness. Yes, he can afflict the body for sure. We see that with Job, uh, that he can bring sickness in. And that can be, uh, you know, a lot of times it's really hard to get spiritually what we need to get spiritually when we are physically weak. Because the physical struggle is so strong, we're not, we, we can't hardly get what we need spiritually because of the physical battle. So these are some ways that Satan opposes us and, and causes opposition in our life. Um, another thing he does is he uses imitation. Imitation. He's a great imitator. Um, what's that guy's name? Um, he made a... They made a movie about him. The movie's called Catch Me If You Can. Frank Abernathy. Right? That's pretty close. <laughs> uh, you know, you talk about the idea of imitation. That was his big thing. He was able to somehow, uh, you know, imitate the production of these checks. And, and he was so skilled at producing these, these false checks and getting paid and just putting on a show and, and convincing everybody. And now for 35 years, he's worked with the FBI and he's designed secure check programs for other co companies and countries even done so many, so many good things. If you've never heard his testimony, uh, you ought to, his real testimony, not the movie, which was, uh, you know, he in his real testimony, he said they took some real liberties in the movie. <laughs> you know, he said some of that uh, was not there. But his real testimony, he attributes uh, a lot to God. And, uh, 
you know, to direction his life, and, and he acknowledges what he did was wrong, and that he should have been punished for it, and uh, just amazing, amazing things. But, you know, that's Satan's methodology. He likes to give us an imitation. He likes to deceive by d- imitation or anything. You know, Satan has a, a uh, he loves to give an imitation for what is real. If God has something, Satan likes to provide an alternative, so that you could go that way or believe that, you know, he deceives people. Uh, Revelation 12, verse number 9 says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to deceive us. Deceives by providing these, these Im- imitations or, or false beliefs. We're talking about uh, heresy here. We're talking about heretical beliefs that we need to guard against. You know, there's a lot of ways Satan deceives people. He deceives people to think that the pleasure of sin is going to last. There is pleasure in sin. The Bible is very clear about that, but it's just for a season. That it's, it's just a short time, and then you have to reap what you sow. And the Bible warns us about that. God warns us about that. Uh, but Satan tries to deceive men into thinking that this sin is going to satisfy. That this sin somehow is going to make them feel whole or to fill that void or the emptiness that they have in their life. That ultimately if they could just partake of or enjoy enough of or be involved in. And, and they, they believe that lie. But you guys all know that it never does satisfy. It, it is never sufficient. That's why perversion continues to get worse and worse and worse and worse because it's just not enough. They, they got to go a little bit further and then a little bit further and a little bit further because it never does satisfy. He deceives people about the consequences of sin. He deceives people concerning death. This is one of the big areas you know, some people are deceived and they believe uh, in a place called purgatory. It's not found in the Bible, anywhere in the Word of God, the Word or a description of that place in any facet. But there are many, many people believe that you go to a place uh, uh, called purgatory for a period of time, and during that time, your loved ones can. Uh, do things or pay or, uh, you know, offer up enough prayers and could get you out of purgatory. It, it's just, it's a false belief. It's a, it's a heresy that Satan has put up as an imitation, as a deception to try and deceive people. Some people believe in reincarnation, that one day you're going to be brought back as something else. I think it's very good for us to be good to others. I think it's good for us. To, you ought to treat animals correctly. You shouldn't abuse, abuse your animals in any way. But not because it might be your long-lost aunt. You do it because God created them. And, uh, you know, we need to have that kind of respect for all living creatures. They, some people believe that there's uh, no afterlife. Um, Megan Rapino, is that how you say her name or last name? Rapino, it's close enough. Uh, you know she's a soccer player slash activist. 
she's an activist slash soccer player, but uh, she said in her last game, uh, this is just a week ago, that uh, she said, well, now she knows there is no God because she hurt herself in her final game of her career. So she said, that if there's ever any proof that there's no God, that this happened to me, so obviously there's no God because I hurt myself in my final game. It was three minutes or six minutes into her game that she hurt herself, didn't even get to play her final game of her career. Uh, she's officially retiring, I guess. But she, she said, there is no God, and this is proof of it. You know, people have a lot of various beliefs, but the Bible is what we need to go back to. What does the Bible say? We've got to guard our mind. We've got to be careful what we let come in. Some believe that you enter a spirit realm for a period of time and that after death, you get into this spirit realm and that you have a chance from that spirit realm to repent and ultimately make it to heaven. But the Bible is very clear that it's appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment. That there is not a spirit realm from which you can return or gain uh, any more favor. It's now is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. And, and after death is too late. You don't, you don't get to make any changes or adjustments. The, the check's been cashed at that point. It's all done. So we got to be careful what we allow for false beliefs to become and infiltrate our heart and our mind. Um, in 2 Corinthians, just write this reference down here, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. Let me just read, read it for you. It says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to the works. He says, hey, it it's, should be no shock to you that if Satan himself can be transformed into an angel of light, it should not be surprising that there are many false teachers that look really good, that sound really eloquent, that seem as though they make sense. And you've got to guard your mind. You've got to be very careful. You've got to have the Spirit of God to give you wisdom and discernment, which we're going to see. Would you turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4? 1 John chapter number 4. We've got to have the Spirit of God to help us, to guide us into all truth. Now, we studied this when we went through our, our study on the book of 1 and 2 and 3 John. So I'm not going to belabor this if you want to hear more about it, look at the, look on the sermon audio and you can listen to these lessons that are right on these texts. But I want you to see something here. The conflict is given to us in verse number one. In, in 1 John chapter 4, he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. He says, hey, don't believe every spirit that's out there. Don't believe everything that people present because there are many false spirits, false prophets that have gone out into the world. And we can be deceived by them if we're not careful. 
Then we see one way to tell if, if they're false prophets or not in verses 2 and 3. So we see their confession. We'll see in verse 2 and 3. He says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of Antichrist. So he says, hey, here's one defining characteristic that you can really narrow in on if you're looking at somebody and saying, okay, is this a false teacher or not? Okay, what you need to do is look at what they teach concerning Jesus Christ. What do they teach about his death, burial, and resurrection? What do they teach about his virgin birth and sinless life? Was he deity? Was he God in the flesh? That's what the Bible teaches. If they say anything else, they say, oh, he was a good prophet, uh, but he wasn't God. Well, you know he's a false teacher. Because Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He's God the Son. So that's a defining characteristic given to us very clearly, a way to help describe or show us. Then we see in uh, verse number four, we see the conqueror listed, that we as Christians, we know ye are of God, little children, and you've overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, that we can conquer these false teachers and, and have victory in our life, even though there are many of them, even though they're prevalent. And then we see the character of a true believer in verses five and six. The character of a true believer. In verse five, he says, they are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. Verse number six, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So we see here this, the character of true believers. Are they of the world and this world's philosophy and ideas, or are they of God? So some, just some ways to help delineate or de- determine, uh, to guard our mind, to protect it against heretical teachings. Now, a closed mind also guards against hypocritical demands, hypocritical demands. And what we're talking about here, hypocritical demands, is things that people manufacture or make up. Things that, uh, you know, we as people, we really like to have things to do. We like to have, well, uh, the, the, the very basic, simple plan of salvation is too easy. We want to have something that needs to be done that we fulfilled. And so what do I do? And we got to be careful of that because sometimes there's hypocritical demands put on that there's a tendency to negate Bible principles. We see that here in our text, uh, 1 Timothy 4, verses 2 and 3, speaking lies in hypocrisy. So here's the hypocritical demands that are listed. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And then here they're manufacturing, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. He's saying here they've, they've created some, some standards. They've created some things that aren't in line with the scriptures that are used to try and make you feel good about what you're doing. But it's not something that God asked of you. It's something that they just demanded or requested of you. Uh, I've told you before, many of you are new, so you don't know this, but when I was in Bible college, uh, there was a young man that came to school, and I wish I would have wrote down the text that he used to teach this. 
but I just paid him no mind. I just said, you, you've lost your marbles. But he believed it was a sin to eat tomatoes. Literally, in, in his mind, that was, he believed it was a sin to eat tomatoes. And he could chapter and verse, man. He would like, no, look, 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 let me show you. And he would try and take you to the Bible. And I said, you've lost your marbles, man. I don't know where you've manufactured that up now. That's been in my mind now for 25 years. And I wish I would have had the verse, the reference that he tried to pull that out of. Uh, but I just paid him no mind. Uh, there's a lot of heretical things or, or things that people just manufacture. Uh, have you guys ever heard of any or seen any things that just kind of goofy beliefs that people just made up or, you know, got any examples? I know I'm putting you on the spot on top of your head there. Have you seen anything like that? That reminded me of something that just, uh, was there anybody here that, that was on the trip to last Tuesday? We went, they're probably over in the other class, to, to, to lunch together? No. They, they brought up something on that trip that uh, was a, a very heretical, very goofy belief. I wish I could remember it. But here, let me give you one. Uh, I read this week about a man in the Philippines that he has now... For 34 years, 34 times he has allowed himself to be crucified. They literally pound nails through the center of his hands and hang him on a cross. Uh, he has done this every year for 34 years, except I believe 2020, maybe 2021. I don't, you know, Philippines was really locked down for, for a while and they couldn't hold even those religious ceremonies. And uh, so... He obviously has scars in his hands, uh, you know, which was interesting to see the pictures because in, in my mind, I always pictured Christ and I, you know, doubting Thomas and, and I pictured actually a hole, like a hole being there in my mind. That's what I pictured. But uh, our bodies are amazing and they heal really well. And the, the, this guy's been, had a nail pound through his hand uh, 34 times and he's got a scar there, but um, it's obviously it's no longer a hole it heals up it, it seals um and he obviously is not crucified like christ was crucified because we know christ was beaten uh to the point where he was beyond recognition uh before he was even put on the cross but here's the thing many many years ago when he first was considering this idea he was thinking about doing it and his daughter got sick he his daughter fell ill Due to a serious asthma condition, he prayed and asked God to heal her of this condition and said he would give nine years to being crucified if, he, if God would heal his daughter. His daughter was healed, and so he gave nine years, and that's what he was going to do, except then his wife became ill. She developed a lump on her cheek, and he committed many more years in exchange for his wife's health. It's a belief that it feels like this is what I'm doing. This is what's keeping my family healthy. 
there's many things that people can get involved in that just don't line up with Scripture. And he's as sincere as the day is long. His commitment to what he believes, I think, is far greater than a lot of ours. But you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. So we've got to be careful. It's not just about how sincere we are. We have to believe the right thing. And the word of God has to be the source of the truth that we're believing. As I said, oftentimes we want something to do. You know, you remember the story of Naaman who was going to be healed of his leprosy. And, and he, he didn't want to just go get in the river. You remember his servant came and he said, Master, if they came and asked you to do some magnificent feat, if they came and asked you to accomplish something really difficult, you would gladly do it. But because it's just get in the river, you're too proud to do that. You, you won't. What do you have to lose? Why don't you just do it? And so he went and did it. But see, many times the God's simple plan of salvation, just believe and accept, is too simple for them. And they say, well, I have to do, I have to do, I have to do. And, and this has to be something that we accomplish. And we've got to be very careful because there will be put hypocr 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 hypocritical demands on our life. We need not only uh, a tendency to negate Bible principles we have to guard against, but also we want to have time to nurture biblical principles. We want to nurture those. We want to help those grow, which means we need to get into the Word of God. We need to have a good understanding of what the Bible teaches. Following the Lord. We know John, write this reference down, John 16, 13. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. The spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. It is the Holy Spirit's job to guide the believer unto all truth, to help us have Christian discernment. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he often challenged them and said, hey, I'm not speaking of my words. I'm speaking of the words of God. I'm giving you instruction from the Lord. And let the Holy Spirit teach you. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. You should know that these are the words of God because the Spirit of God is guiding us. We've got to guard our mind against teaching that makes demands that are not found in the Word of God and that don't line up with what the Holy Spirit says. Ari Tori said, God's Word is pure and sure in spite of the devil. In spite of your fear, in spite of everything, God's word is pure. Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. God's word is pure. Um, a closed mind guards against hopeless diversions. Hopeless diversions. We could spend a lot of time here. We need to guard our minds from endless diversions. Uh, it's, it's hopeless. And, and you know, so many people, as we talked about, I think it was on Thursday night, that we, uh, I don't remember when it was, the days run together. But, you know, America, we have more opportunities for happiness than anywhere else in the world. And yet people are more discouraged and consume more opioids and uh, are taking more antidepressants than any other country in the world. 
And so it's not a matter of just giving themselves over to uh, trying this new thing or, or seeking a new high or these are hopeless diversions. They're just trying to mask the pain for a few minutes, but the drug wears off. The high dissipates. The excitement is gone. And then the reality of their life that they've made that's filled with sin and pain comes back and hits them in the face like a ton of bricks. It's a hopeless diversion. It's not going to give them any real hope for their life. Jesus Christ is the hope. We've got to guard our mind that we don't uh, pursue or go after these hopeless endeavors. 1 Timothy 4, verse number 7 there in our text says, But refuse profane and old wives' tables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. There's these things that, that you need to just refuse those. Put, guard your mind against them. Don't, don't get involved in them. A good rule, this is not mine, this is somebody else's. He said, if it doesn't edify, eliminate. A good rule for our lives, you know, there's some things, uh, sometimes good things can get in the way of the best thing. And we have to guard against that. Would you guys have an example of that? Something good? I, in my mind, I'm thinking about a couple things, but just wondering from your, what's something good that might get in the way of something best? Ms. Kim? Oh, there you go. I would say being so involved in You can be so busy doing that you ceased to be. We are to be godly. We are to be good Christians. We are to have a relationship with God. And many times, especially in churches like ours, and I love our church, but we got to be very careful and guard against being performance-driven Christianity. Because it's about a relationship with Christ. It's not just about what you're doing. Now, if we have a right relationship, good works will flow out of that. But we got to be careful that we don't we leave off the relationship and just do just do 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 do, and think that that is what makes us a good Christian because we're doing doing doing. We got to be very careful about that. And so, a good thing, serving the Lord, working in the church, can get away of the best thing, which is having a relationship with Him. And the other Miss Kim had another idea there, the idea of, of streaming the service online. That's a good thing. If that's your only option, if that's where you're at, if you're sick or at home or you can't be here, then streaming is a great service, a great thing that you can do. But it shouldn't get in the way of being present. Now, I've got to hurry. It's 10 after 9, and I think we've got a long ways to go. Um, I'm sorry, it's, not, it's 9 after 10. I'm a little dyslexic. <laughs> Uh, it's 9 after 10. So, growing our minds for eternity's destination. Man, I could have spent a long time on that last one, hopeless diversions. There's a lot of hopelessness in the world today. And, uh, but here, growing our minds for eternity's destination. Have you ever uh, had a destination that you were excited about going to, a vacation spot that you were like, oh, you planned this vacation and you're going to go to this, it's going to be amazing? Anybody had something you looked forward to? Rihanna will pick on you. What, what is it? Uh, or that you've done in the past. Yeah, just something. It was a vacation that you looked forward to doing. 
going to Tennessee and Missouri. So when, oh, <laughs> that's that is a problem. Sometimes, <laughs> uh, sometimes our anticipation is a little greater than the reality of it, right? Uh, I've had that happen before. But you know, you you look at a vacation and, or a spot and you think, man, I'm going to go, and you think about it, you dream about it, and you you look and you say, okay, I can do this on this day, and we're going to go here, and we're going to do that, and and you prepare for this, and you lay it all out, and you've got this all planned. Well, one day we're going to be in heaven. We're going to spend eternity with the Lord. Are we preparing to go there? Are we looking forward to that? Write down Acts chapter 20, verses 20 to 24 there. We need to have a singleness of mind, setting our affections on things above, looking towards that day. And too often we we are distracted by this world. Let me give you these these last things. We need to wrap it up here. But uh, a closed mind guards against uh, hindered diligence. Hindered diligence. It's going to, you got to be careful or your diligence will be hindered. We talk here, first of all, God's exercise program in in verses 7 and 8, 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. He says, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness for bodily exercise profit of little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. We need to have godliness. We need to have exercise ourselves on the godliness. My boys like going to the gym. They go to the gym two or three days, two or three times a week. And, uh, you know, it's good exercise. I'm, I'm glad they do it. It's, it's good for them. They're, they're getting stronger, which means when I need them to move something, they have a little more strength to do it. Amen. It's a good thing. But it profits little. What is most profitable? Godliness. And we should be committing and exercising ourselves unto godliness. How is your exercise program? Not the physical one, I'm talking about the spiritual one. How is your exercise program, your spiritual exercise? Letter B there is God's emphasis is proclaimed. God's emphasis is proclaimed. Where's the priority? You know, it's amazing how diligent and disciplined we can be about areas that have very little eternal value. What's an activity that some people put a priority on that has very little eternal value? Some type of, some people have a very consistent morning ritual. They got to get up, they got to drive by Wawa and got to have a Wawa. You know, they got to get a coffee every morning on the way to work or, or their day doesn't work right. Or, you know, they have certain rituals that are parts of their life that have very little eternal weight, but that's where they're going to commit their energy and time. The emphasis has to be right in our life. Um. Acts 24, 16, write that down. Herein do I exercise myself to have a conscience void of offense towards God and man. Uh, exercising ourselves against spiritual exercise. All right, I think there's the last one. I'm going to give you a closed mind guards against harmful departure, harmful departure. It is the last point, right? The last main point? All right, it gets you a couple more here. Uh, so first of all, you need to establish faithfulness. Your establishment of faithfulness. Listen, it's, God wants us to count it as a steward that a man be found faithful. We need to be faithful. Oh, it is so important that we be faithful. First uh, Timothy 4.1 says, In the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Boy, I want to finish my days being faithful to God. In today's world, so many people are going by the wayside. It's becoming less and less popular. It's becoming more and more criticized just to be faithful 
the things which thou hast learned, the same commit thou to faithful men, Paul told Timothy. The same, not modified or changed or adjusted. And I just want to be the same. I want to be faithful all the way to the end of my days. And, and just trust God. Don't let this world change where I stand. I mean, that's my desire and my goal. We know the Bible has testimony of several that weren't. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. We know the admonition, Revelation 2, 4, to the church, thou hast left thy first love. I hope that can't be said about us. All of these things affect your future. It has an effect on your future. What you do, how faithful you are, how consistent you are, it affects your future. We've got to guard against that. You know, everything we do affects our future. It also affects others. I wonder how many people will be in heaven because of you or I. I think there'll be a good number there, things that we don't even realize. A lot of times we don't even realize the impact we're having. Have you ever given anything towards missions to reaching some law, to reaching people in another country? That has an effect. There'll be people in heaven that'll come up to you and say, thank you for, for giving. I was reached because you are sacrificed. You ever pass out a gospel track? Sometimes you think, well, I just left it there. I don't even know if they read it. But one day in heaven, somebody may come by and say, thanks for leaving that track for me. I picked that up and I, I read it. And I, I, I now I'm on my way to heaven. Or I now am in heaven because of you, sorry. Uh, you know, just that idea that we don't know maybe the long-term impact, but if we'll just be faithful, keep doing what we know we're supposed to do, trust God, it affects our future, but it also affects others.